Welcome to From Beer to the Bible with your host, Urban Lee. Each week, you'll hear stories from Urban's road to sobriety and steps you can take to help you or a loved one find healing through Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, Urban Lee. Good evening. It's your host, Urban Lee of From Beer to the Bible. You can find information about the book at FromBeerToTheBible.com. You can support us at HamptonMinistries.org. We want to jump right into it. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Irvin? Good. I got my trusty uh, co-host, Scott, with me again today. And then we have our good and great friend, Mindy, with us. Hi, Mindy. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, we are so excited to have you with us to share your wonderful and uh, powerful testimony with our listeners. Before we do that, we always anchor ourselves in the Word of God and a prayer. So I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your grace, your compassion, and your long-suffering towards us. May we surrender to your will, your plans, and assignments for our life because we know that they are good. In Jesus' name we trust and pray. Amen. Mindy, talk to <laughs> us. Let's, let's get into it. Uh, full disclosure, Scott and I both know Mindy from the rooms, the AA rooms. But didn't realize that we both newer (laughs) well just as i pray we have to let god be in control and lead us and guide us and he led us to you mindy so let's talk about it uh let's share a little bit of your testimony with our listeners yeah thank you so much for letting me be here um it's always a privilege to get to share what god did and um so yeah i'll just get right into it so my sobriety date i've been sober since september 15th of 2015 so all right congratulations you, thank you so yeah i mean from the beginning i'll start from the beginning uh i grew up similar to scott and probably i think i don't know Irvin, um but in a good godly home you know mm-hmm. i had two loving parents they're still married today and awesome. we just grew up in the church you know going sunday morning sunday night wednesday night the whole nine mm-hmm. and um So really good spiritual foundation Uh, and something that I hear a lot in the rooms that I identify with is that I had all the head knowledge in the world of, you know, what what a Christ follower looks like and what I should should do, shouldn't do. (laughs) But I swear I came out of the womb with a bent in the wrong direction. (laughs) And I really, you know, that that Peter kind of that Paul. In fact, I was reading in Romans about Uh that wrestling that Paul goes through the I do what I don't want to do yes. and I can't seem to do what I want to do or yep. what I should do. Well, that was me right from the get. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, from my earliest memory wrestled with a lot of anger yeah. and, um, anxiety, just restless, irritable discontent, right? Mm-hmm. Just, um, right out of the womb, which was hilarious. Cause yeah. I was always like a foot shorter than everyone, like this teeny tiny human and yeah. like this ball of, you know, just, <laughs> You know, I was just angry and no yeah. really reason why I didn't have any abuse in my younger life or anything to attribute to it. Yeah. But just the sense of, you know, the enemy just slips in with those lies real early on mm-hmm. and that just self-loathing of, you know, I just did not. I wanted to be anybody but me. And I had yeah. this desperate need to be accepted. Mm-hmm. Well, we grew up real sheltered. And so we didn't listen to secular music. We didn't have cable. And wow. So I was already set apart, right? Like mm-hmm. I heard the peculiar people. <laughs> I didn't want to be peculiar. I right. just wanted to be like everybody I just else. Fit in. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so at 12 years old, I had my first drink. I was invited to a slumber party with these girls who were, um, one of them was in the youth group I went to. Okay. Or the children's ministry, or whatever. We grew up in church. 
and she was a private school kid, so she was a little bit on the on the wilder side. Okay, all right. And uh, her parents traveled a lot, and and were just not you know as attentive as mine, and mm-hmm. uh, so you know they invited me over, which I was thrilled because yeah. you know I didn't get invited to by the cool kids for sure uh, to parties. Yeah, and um. And so they did. They broke into mom's liquor cabinet and uh, mixed up some of this clear stuff with fruit punch and started passing it around. Uh Uh-oh. You know, I had this natural fear of alcohol because Mm -hmm. my parents uh, had alcoholism with their parents. Okay. And so it was a decision they'd made early on in our family that we did not talk about alcohol. It was just known Mm -hmm. that we didn't run with people that drank. They didn't have friends who drank. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no exposure to it. I just knew it did bad things and we weren't supposed to do it. Right. But any fear that I had of alcohol was definitely trumped by that need to be accepted, need to go along. And yeah. so I choked it down, you know, and pretended mm-hmm. like it wasn't my first time. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. I mean, right from the get, I can tell you that, and you hear this a lot again mm-hmm. in recovery, um, I felt like this was it. This was what I'd been missing. Yeah. And I always share my story. You know, Satan, the enemy has like a counterfeit, right? Like his his ways always seem to be a little easier to slip into, a little sexier, a little, you know, than God's ways. Because sometimes God's ways require a lot of discipline, hard choices. And so I, you know, I'd been praying about my anxiety and my, you know, my feeling like a fish out of water for years. But Mm -hmm. here was this thing, this drink. From the minute that I drank that thing, I felt my shoulders detached from my ears. Yeah. I could laugh and get out of my head and just kind of while out with the girls. Right. Right. Be be accepted. I mean, it's funny how all three of us remember the details of our Mm -hmm. very first drink. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's so different. And when you talk to people everybody. who don't have issues like we do, they're like, man, I don't remember when it was. Yeah, right. I don't yeah. remember <laughs> my first drink. Oh, yes. Yeah. I can tell you that feeling because I was hooked. I mean, you know, at 12 years old, I just knew this was it. And I had to figure out how to get more of it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just, you know, my friends seemed to just drift off to sleep. But as the effects of the alcohol wore off, so came that, that mm-hmm. self-awareness, that all that self-loathing and everything came back. And so... um you know, the next two decades of my life would just become this this series of a means to an end, and that end was always alcohol for me. Mm-hmm. And I wrestled with, you know, I think I had that that my father calls it the the Holy Spirit hound, the hound of the Holy Spirit. Oh yeah, oh, I know. <laughs> he that. never left yeah. my side. I always nope. knew that you know there was a better way to to be, but you see, the alcohol helped with that because yeah. the alcohol helps that voice too yeah and um it allowed me to just become this chameleon i just gave pieces of myself away and adapted whoever i needed to become to be accepted by you mm-hmm. or to get asked out by guys who would give girls drinks or do the types of things that would get invited to parties and um so over the over the next you know like i said 20 years i yeah. just kept moving the line of what was normal and acceptable and um and then drinking to cope with the things that I was doing that I knew, you know, I was ashamed of myself. Yeah. I didn't like myself. But, um, you know, I turned around 20 years later and I didn't I didn't recognize anything about my life anymore. Um, in my 20s, you know, in high school, the consequences were just like I did. I got suspended for giving alcohol to the sophomores that we were in charge of as cheerleaders. Yeah. And, you know, these little things like, but, you know, through high school and college, I was like, 
everybody a slap does. on the hand right yeah. you know, it's just, it's everybody just, does it it's just part of growing a party up. and i kind of wore that like a badge of honor because i grew up kind of being a part of the sheltered church crowd and mm-hmm. now i was like this bad girl and I had this rep and I, I don't, you know, that's in nature in me to love that, yeah. the the power that it gave me. And and so, but then when I hit my 20s, you know, and now I have legal access to alcohol yeah. is really when it began to take off for me. I, you know, I didn't go a day without, you know, something in my backseat, a big old handle of stuff that was way too strong for me to be drinking. And, right. um Pre-partying before everything, before church, school, family get-togethers. Wow, even before days church. Days it ended in Y. Even before church. <laughs> so you would you would have drinks before church mm-hmm. and go? Mm-hmm. Now, I never had, that I recall, drinks going to church because I really wasn't going to church. But I would say, though, that I was at church pretty hungover, mm-hmm. which probably meant I was probably still buzzed. Mm-hmm. There's no question about that. There's a couple questions as I listen to your story that I want to ask you. How did the religious crowd react to you as you were progressing in your disease? One, and then when did you know, like, I'm in trouble here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, church was a hard thing for me. Uh, I, you know, I got a lot of church hurts. I was actually going to a church at the time, and the college group, young adult leader, mm-hmm. um, he knew I was intoxicated. They actually met me in the parking lot with a security guard one night. Oh, wow. And told me, uh, you know, we yeah. you drink it. So, you know, when you yeah. get into church, there's a whole spectrum of responses, right? Yeah. Um, right. With these types of problems. and, um, But, yeah, the religious crowd, I mean, you know, for me, I knew I was in trouble, so... You know, when I landed in my 20s and I had given up on waiting for God's guy for me, mm-hmm. I was in a relationship that would turn into a marriage and, and we had a son together, uh, a really toxic relationship. I was drinking every day. There was abuse going on. It mm-hmm. was just a toxic relationship and I was powerless to get out. And, um, you know, it took a lot of it took a lot for me to get to the point where I was like, I'm in trouble here. Okay. It took um, two DWIs and then ultimately a third. And 2014 is when God began to do for me what I couldn't, which was, you know, he'd hit me with some stones and pebbles some bricks yeah. here. And then he just dropped a whole brick wall on yeah. me. Um, yeah. I lost my job due to drinking. Mm-hmm. I was arrested for my third DWI with my two-year-old son in the backseat sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um and so that is when, you know, even even the attorney I'd hired said, girl, you got to do right. we got to do something here. <laughs> we, we can't make this go we away. We can't anymore. go on like this. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I was in trouble for real. And for a girl who had never really been, you know, who came from a family like mine, mm-hmm. nobody had ever gotten divorced. I didn't know how to leave this situation yeah. I was in. Yeah. I didn't know what God thought about that. Yeah. Um, And I was, you know, here I was facing for real, for real charges, sitting in felony court with homicides and everything else. How's your family holding up during all of this? Uh, my parents, I just, the older I get and the further in sobriety, you know, that your empathy for what your family went through right. increases. Uh, yes. They were devastated, of course, but my father, you know, my, my mom and dad just have a rock-solid faith. They mm-hmm. had consulted pastors, and I mean, they never abandoned me they did not certainly didn't agree with the life that I was living but the pain of watching of a parent watching your child just slowly die Mm -hmm. wrap up in self-destruction um 
was was torture i can only imagine right for them yeah it's an interesting question you talk about the the spectrum of the Response. how the religious community responds to mm-hmm. stuff like this i remember i saw it with my dad when i went through my first divorce but also when i finally you know that wall hit me i mean our stories are very similar and having to finally put it on the table i'm an alcoholic and i'm dying i got i need help or i'm gonna die mm-hmm. yeah i remember during the first divorce and, and my dad was very prominent in the baptist church and and was a big executive oil and gas company a group of men pulled him aside to basically tell him you need to get your son under control mm-hmm. and he looked at them and said y'all don't know all the facts and i love my son y'all have a good day and he got up and walked out mm-hmm. i didn't know that story till much later yeah but i saw that same dad stand by me mm-hmm. when i was at my worst mm-hmm. and say mm-hmm. here i love you mm-hmm. and yeah. to me that was that was christ hands and feet in motion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm here i love you you can't go too far mm-hmm. and it will not change mm-hmm. And I think that's what you found. Absolutely. And I can still remember running into to Mindy and, and our uh, the group we used to both attend together. Mm-hmm. Fresh, kind of hot out of rehab and still pants a little bit on fire and scared to death of what's next and how <laughs> am I going to live life. And But knowing I found this relationship and mm-hmm. I saw that in her, and it's been a beautiful thing to watch mm-hmm. her as her life has grown. It said the promises come true, mm-hmm. right? They, they do come with responsibilities. Yeah but learning how to navigate that in a different way. And, and it's just been beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now talk to us. So you, you go to court, you're facing all of these felony charges. Now, how do you end up um, getting sober? Yeah. So that was a complete God thing. You know, I, I had a relapse. I, I went to outpatient in the beginning of 2015 mm-hmm. in, in Grapevine. And, mm-hmm. um, I got three months sober and a lot of knowledge about what addiction is. And I began to hear myself and, and everything. And, um, at six months sober, I, uh, the marriage I was in, things had reached ahead and I had to escape, uh, with my son Mm -hmm. and this time did not go back and got some pastors and the fellowship of women I had, God had brought into my life to really, um, just dig in and ask God what next. Yeah. Um, so here I was paying two attorneys yeah. and uh, filed for divorce. <laughs> and um, and so, yeah, you know, I relapsed and I would not get sober. I relapsed in June when I bought the lie that, you know, I'd found out some difficult stuff with my soon-to-be ex-husband. Yeah. And again, I said, you know, Satan's like, you know, he slips that slimy arm Man. around you and Man. says, you back. know, just a drink for tonight. Anybody would drink, you know. Yeah, I'll, be, I'll be okay tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. And that was it. I just thought one I'd, drink. Dip in, dip out, no harm, no foul. And and three months later, two weeks before my sentencing, I violated my interlock device they had on my car. Uh-huh. And so I actually met a guy in the rooms. Um, he had had the same judge, and he said, here's what you do. You print off this paperwork for this long-term treatment facility in Austin, yeah. and you take it to the judge, and you beg her to go instead of the, the years in prison I was looking at. The DA wanted to put me away for a long time. Oh, man. And so it was the Hail Mary. Even my attorney said, this is the Hail Mary of all Hail Marys. <laughs> and um, and we did it. And I can tell you that judge, uh-huh. I mean, I have such a heart for judges because um, she was a good one. She had compassion and a yeah. heart for people in recovery. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and said, you serious about this? Can you be in Austin in treatment at 5 o'clock today? And I said, yes, Your Honor. And 
we packed it up. She said, I will defer your prison time until you get back from this program. Uh-huh. And, um, and I just, I did on the way down to Austin, the back of my parents' car and truly over the, the 90 days that I was in that home, it was a home with 13 yeah. other women, uh-huh. uh, absolutely gave and surrendered my life to Christ in a way that I never Amen. had. I mean, to the, to the 12 steps, but ultimately to the higher power who has all power. Yeah. Because I was powerless. I did not know how to break out of the bondage that Mm -hmm. I was in. I didn't see a way out. I didn't even know what my life would look like in 24 hours. Everything was different. I'd lost everything. Yeah. And I just said, here you go. Uh, And just one day at a time, you know, working with a sponsor. Mm -hmm. uh, And then he brought, God brought these women into my life um, that gave me you know, God uses people to speak to you. Ooh, yes, you know? he does. Yes, and he I, does. I heard that voice. I felt that father's love. And, and the story in Luke 7 really stuck out to me. I named my business after it and now my ministry, mm-hmm. Alabaster Shards, in Luke 7. You know, the story, I came upon that story of, of Jesus and this worldly woman yeah. who just breaks her alabaster jar box at his feet. Yeah. And worships and, you know, all these religious people are like, you know, if he really knew who she was and what she did, he wouldn't want much to do with her. And Jesus says, "Mm -mm, she's mine. And that, that Jesus was like something I had not, I didn't know God like that until that Mm -hmm. moment. That's when I was like, okay, this is the, this is somebody who I give you my whole life. It, 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 it's amazing that all three of us grew up in what I'm going to say religious homes and religious backgrounds, but we did not know the real true love of, of Christ mm-hmm. and of our God. Like he's not mad at you. He loves you. He sent Christ to redeem us. Right. And he came for sinners. He came for the sick. We were sick. And I, I remember getting the rehab and I was to be quite honest with you. I didn't even know what I was going to believe. And I was confused. I didn't know if God was mad at me. Was God punishing mm. me? Did I even want to believe in this God that I grew up with? Right. And now the way I feel or about I said God. His name was he even listening. I mean, it was, I just written off already. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because sometimes in our haste to adopt a religious God, we miss Jesus, our savior, right. Who, who died for all of our sins. Um, and now we have right standing with God. He's on our side, right? That doesn't mean that he removes all the consequences of, of our sins, but our sins are forgiven nonetheless. And he loves us and he has a good plan for our life. And we have to remember his grace, his love and his, uh, I like, I love the word they use it in the Bible. We don't use it much in our language is long suffering. Mm. He's patient mm-hmm. and long suffering towards us. Right. And that's one of my words for the year. And I, I, I think you, you talked a lot about that patience. And as we get ready to close here in the next few minutes, share more about what your life is like now. Yes. So, again, you know, there is nothing that the locust stole that God did not redeem. Ooh, you know, yeah. when I surrendered to him completely, he just said, don't worry about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And um, he brought a man into my life. I'm remarried today. All right. I'm, and, you know, two years into sobriety for me, actually, my ex-husband came to me and said, 
tell me what you're doing. I need help. And um, I hooked him up with some, some men I knew in recovery, and he is sober today. My child has two sober parents. All right. Praise God. A we co-parent, you know. Um, we are all surrendered to Christ and doing the best with plan B for our lives. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like I said, I, I run a business. I have a full-time job. I'm a contributing member to society. <laughs> right. <laughs> I sponsor women. Um, again, you know, I'm starting this women's ministry for, you know, women like me that just, you know. Well, tell us a little bit more about the ministry. Yeah, so Alabaster Shards is the name of the ministry, and right. it's really just um, in the beginnings of the yeah. of the birth phase. And um, love it. It's for you know, like I said, it, just women who you know there is no hole you slip deep enough that the hand of God will not reach into, and um, and walk that. you out a day at a time. So if you want to know how, you know, we we disciple women with the with a faith based concept of the of the step. Mm-hmm. And so it's a discipleship program. Well, I, I love to hear that and having known you for a while now and watching the wonderful work that the Lord is doing in and through you, I am, I am so super excited about it and we're going to talk more about it on the other side. We'll be back with more of From Beer to the Bible right here on The Word, 100.7 FM. Finding addiction help is intensely personal and the differences in options may not be immediately clear. Hampton Ministries was founded with the intent to provide people struggling with substance and behavioral issues with guidance to find the best environment for their well-being and recovery. Our main focus is to help those who use drugs and alcohol to break free and learn to cope with life circumstances. Hampton Ministries provides a rehab welcome kit to provide crucial resources to make their journey a success. Utilizing Lonnie Hampton's principles of character, work ethic, and selflessness, participants learn to hold themselves accountable. We want to help each individual obtain the life skills necessary to live a happy, successful, sober life. If you or a loved one is wrestling with substance abuse and needs help finding treatment or to donate, please visit HamptonMinistries.org. That's HamptonMinistries.org. Welcome back to From Beer to the Bible. Here's your host, Irvin Lee. Welcome back. So we're back with Scott. What's up, Scott? What's up, Irvin? Hey, Mindy. I want you to close us out with some words of encouragement for all of our listeners, but specifically for women who are suffering from addiction and sometimes the sin and shame that can accompany it. And also let them know more about your ministry and where they can reach you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, to your listeners, yes, I just have such a heart for um, you know, anybody who is suffering or, or like we talked about, who's struggling with that yes. real concept of, of Christ and how he really feels about you mm-hmm. and, um, and that you are never too far gone. And so again, you know, we're starting, we're in the beginning of the works of this ministry. And yes. so, uh, you can reach me at alabaster shards at gmail.com. It's just okay. an email. Uh, anybody's welcome. If you're interested in, um, connecting, you know, with other women, kind of walking this faith and recovery as we talked about. Yes. Um, but yes, you know, the arms of God are open wide and, and he really did use the 12 steps as a tool. Um, but really what it did was just allow, you know, the walls you know, that I'd put up against the God that I thought I knew. Right. Broke down those walls and paved a way to now, um, you know, I go to church, I'm in small groups, I walk with women, you know, yeah. we talk about, you know, the Bible and, and Christ and that, 
and his redemption. He really has the power to completely free you. I never thought I would go a single day without waking up wanting to drink. And I live yes. a life of complete freedom today. He has freed and set me free. Um, well, and, and yeah. restored you. Yes. He yeah. didn't just free you. Yes. Yes. That yeah. is his redemption and restoration is, is endless. And so I'm not specially unique. You know, he will do it for you too. And so, um, yeah, it's just an honor to be able to share. And um, I hope that somebody can hear themselves, you know, in in that story and mm-hmm. just know that, you know, there is always hope. You know, if you're still, I love that song, like, if I'm not dead, then God's not done. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And I think we forget that too many times. And Mindy, we have truly enjoyed you. And I'm going to continue to pray for you and your family because I know that the Lord will work mightily in and through you to help so many other people and then specifically women who are suffering from addiction. And we look forward to having you back again soon. May God continue to richly bless you. Thank you. Sam. And I want to leave you today with the love. I love you. The faith is in Christ Jesus and the hope is found in the Lord, our God. May God always richly bless you. Thank you for listening to From Beer to the Bible with host Irvin Lee. To learn more, visit FromBeerToTheBible.com. There you can catch past episode podcasts and find other resources. That's FromBeerToTheBible.com.